Yo. Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired. Kairos. Shazanga. Hi, Michael Morgan, and we are back like a bad Conor McGregor news item. Every week, week in, week out, we're here, shots fired with clips, ammunition. Basically, we've got an arsenal this week. But joining us, joining myself and Kairos MMA. Good afternoon, good evening, Kairos, wherever you are right now. It's a beautiful day. You see the lights? We got the whole ambiance for y'all today. This is going to be a treat. It's incredible. I, I'm glad you bought, or I'm glad you bought the red carpet, the blue carpet, it seemed, just looking at the hue. For those of you who are listening in audio, Kairos has got this warm aqua blue, um, almost uh, straight out of Aquaman, This uh, the hue that he's got here. And um he is looking quite magnificent and fine. But speaking of magnificent and fine, it is a pleasure to welcome to this week's Shots Fired, our guest, our guest who has nearly joined Woe TV stroke what we're doing here um, on this merry ship, and it's David Cameron. Good evening to you, David. Good evening, chaps. And Great welcome. to be here. Looking forward to some, some enthusiastic discussion. Doing a bit of back and forth per Stephen A and skip the classic ones. Well, put it this way, without further ado, we do have quite a lot on the docket. So I'm going to start off with what has actually been uh, roasting me online. And that is, I'm sure you could not have failed to notice, fellas. This past weekend, we had Anderson Silva versus Tito Ortiz as one of the bouts on the Triller card. The Triller card, which was, you know, to many, a circus. And uh, obviously for us MMA fans, we had a keen eye on Anderson Silva versus Tito Ortiz. Now, I, in my infinite wisdom, I took to Twitter because looking at the finish of what was effectively a short matchup, a short clash, a short bout between Anderson Silver, if you were, uh, excuse my parlance, I mean, hearing, hearing Donald Trump on the broadcast butchering Anderson Silver, his name, was uh, irksome, quirksome, and a little bit annoying. But anyway, Anybody uh, watching that, I'm sure would have noticed the ending. The ending was, put it this way, nuanced. The ending was interesting in that Tito Ortiz threw several hooks, attempted several hooks badly. And it just looked as though, to me, it looked as though it was weird. So I took to Twitter and my words exactly were this. Not trying to take any way uh, the glory of the win from Anderson or feed the it was fixed narrative, but I can't lie. 
this does look a little bit, this does look odd from Tito. What do you think? Now, I thought that tweet that I put out was genuine, genuinely questioning what I saw. And I wanted, obviously, to talk, converse, to, I suppose, chew the fat with other people who may have other takes on it. And I thought I'd get, I don't know, roughly 10, 15 views. 258 comments later. Wow. I found myself ever so slightly roasted. I found myself ever so slightly dragged. And just an array of comments uh, dragging me, um, asking whether I'd ever seen a, a boxing match before, whether I you know, was new to the game, and how dare I actually come up with um, this as a take. My take was disgusting and uh, abhorrent. And as I say, for the last, must have been 48 hours straight, I found myself dragged. Now, you would have seen the commentary. You would have seen, if you went to my timeline, you would have seen how people have actually handling, handled me. But here's a, here's, a, um, here's, a, here's a quick canter through some of them. Um, right. If this were fixed, you'd think Tito wouldn't get extra CTE from that monster. Now, this isn't fixed. This is boxing. Boxing is hard. Just to continue some of the comment, um, and there's this, I, I'm gonna name and shame now. Uh, Darcy Mason, Darcy Mason took it to me, took it to me hard. Quote, unquote, media, uh, sorry, MMA media owner, because that's what I've got in my bio. Uh, please leave. And it went on. Now, I could go through all 250-odd comments. Um, I'm sure you'd be surely entertained how I was dragged, how I was castigated, how I was run down. But the reason why I say that is to say this. I wanted to have discourse. I wanted to have a conversation. And I'm having that conversation now. You have all seen the finish. You have all seen what effectively was the end of that matchup. Am I right in saying, am I kind of um, coming out of left field to fix my beak, fix my lips to say, you know what, that did look kind of odd. And I'm gonna say it with my chest right now. I thought that looked odd. I thought that that looked rehearsed. The amount of times that hook came from left, not once, not twice, but three times, that wasn't me playing a clip on the loop. That was an actual fixed moment in time, ladies and gentlemen. So I put it to you. First off, I'm going to go with our guest, our guest of dishonor, David Cameron. David, am I fixing my lips uh, and out of place? And am I opening my beak wrongly to say that did look odd? That did look somewhat stagey and bit whiffy. David Cameron, the floor is yours. Mike, I'll, I'll first say, first and foremost, you know that you can't poke the MMA beast. Anytime you question an, an, a legend like Anderson Silva, rightly or wrongly, the MMA Emirati are going to come from you, come for you in some sort of, like that. they'll always have something to say. So 
that's your bad mic <laughs> to be fair you want to you, you can never question an MMA legend how dare you um and then secondly to your point about whether it looks fixed you know Mike I'll be honest mate when I watched it the first time I just thought that was I chalked it up to to Tito Ortiz being SH1T at boxing that was what it looked like to me to be honest he looked rubbish from the first bell his footwork was a nonsense his hands were just SH1T it was it was just really really poor it didn't surprise me the way that Anderson Silva was playing with his food that he caught him with that pseudo check hook it was always going to come and the fact that Tito didn't see it coming again didn't surprise me that it was it it, it it caught him and, and knocked him out ultimately. Um, so I didn't have the same reaction, Mike. I'm kind of surprised that you thought it was fixed. It would. It's not. It's not beyond the realm of possibility. Of course, there's always dodginess in in thriller events, but it, it didn't look. If I look at the outcome, it, it didn't look fixed to me. No, let's explore what you're saying there. I didn't say for one second that I thought it looked fixed. I said it looked odd. Right. I said it looked weird. It looked whiffy iffy that's what I said and that's what I put out on Twitter and it's amazing that you've come back with what the majority of people have come back with to say how dare you suggest it was fixed no at no point did I say the word fixed I said it looked odd it did look odd it looked whiffy that that hook came across not once not twice in a fashion that made me question is this for real? No, I didn't say it was fixed. I said it looked odd. Kairos. Do you want to know what's funny? Hmm. Am I echoing? Yeah, no, you're fine. Do you mean I'm not echoing or do you? You're I am not echoing. echoing, you are perfect. Okay. In every so way. <laughs> what's funny to me is there's a lot more people who are like, you know what? Tito fucking sucks. So we expected it to turn out like that. Be like this. Yes. <laughs> if I was Tito, I would wish people would be like, that has to be fixed. Ain't no way Tito going out like that. But if I'm Tito Ortiz, I see people say, nah, we expect, I'd be more mad about that. That's just me though. <laughs> like, obviously I didn't think, when I saw it, I was just like, like I said, when I saw it, I was like, Tito's fucking ass. That's what I saw. And then that's what, how I reacted. I, it's disrespectful, but that's what I thought. So. Mike, can I just suggest, mate? I think your, mm. I think your lens is too accustomed to high-level professional boxing. <laughs> I, I saw, I, I genuinely, I saw your comments that you didn't watch the Jake Paul Tyron Woodley. I think that might have, might have accustomed you to the low-level boxing that we're that Triller are dealing with here. It's really bad. The footwork is appalling. The head movement is non-existent. That's what we're dealing with here. And, and I think that was in line. The Tito Ortiz, the way he got finished, it was in line. So to me, to my more accustomed eye, more accustomed to low-level boxing, it didn't look... It, it was just an extension from the Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley fiasco, if I'm honest, mate. So in answer to my question, can I just get... An I or a nay, whether you agree with me, that that finish looked odd. That was what I asked. Did it look odd? Can I have an, a yay or a nay for I'm, either of you? I'm going to caveat, Mike, because I have to. In the context of the level of boxing that we're seeing Triller mm. promote, no. In the context of high-level boxing, if you're looking at Canelo, if you're thinking about Floyd or these big dogs... The answer to your question is yes. Okay. Mm. Kairos. 
Um, no, because I just seen some weird knockouts. So that's why I'm like, I've seen some stuff. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Well, moving swiftly on, then you're up, David Cameron. And I have to say, it's, it's not missed on me. And I use this at every juncture. Kairos, you might not know this, but David Cameron also shares a name with one of our previous prime ministers, David Cameron. And uh, every time I say the name David Cameron in the context of MMA, it makes me laugh because it's almost as though, let's just imagine there was somebody on here now and um, he was our special guest of Dishonor, Kairos, and his name was George Bush. <laughs> yeah, you see me, tickles you, right? Yeah. Tickles you. Anyway, over to you, David Cameron, what are you bring to the table? Cool, so I'm going to talk to the toxicity the that is Jake Paul in boxing. Uh, very, 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 um, very controversial, very polemic, splits the MMA crowd right down the middle. But specifically, I'm going to talk to his next opponents because I, I want to see this guy get whooped. I don't like the way he's entitled. I don't like the way he's come into the boxing game and he's taking it over with, with just green and very little boxing skill and talent. I, I'm, I'm true boxing diehard to my core gutted at Evander, but I suppose we'll talk about that later. Um, let's let's get on to it. So he's put out a, a picture with a hit list, and I'm just going to go through through the names, and we can talk about the most the most controversial, the ones that stick out. So he's got on there: Nate Robinson, Ben Askren, crossed out, Tyron Woodley, now. that subject you guys can chime in on that I think he needs to he needs to have a word of himself here there's no way that the commission should not sanction Canelo getting in a squared circle with with Jake Paul that that's that's tantamount to murder somebody wants to get tried if they do that Nate or Nick Diaz interesting I suppose the question there is whether Dana will let these guys come out or get out of their contract and get into the squared circle with a chap like Jake Paul it looks like per the Dana White press conference the most recent one he's not going to let any of his guys he said have a word with Anderson Silva um, since he looks so good on the weekend Kamaru Usman is next on his list have a word with yourself Jake Paul Kamaru Usman will, in, a, in, a, in an octagon or a ring my my humble opinion, Kamara will smash his lights out. No commission in the world should sanction that. Tommy Fury, a bit more interesting there. That says that feels like as far as skill set and profile, that feels like that's more red line. So if I were if I were a betting man, that would be my favourite. Conor McGregor, interesting. Keen to get your guys' thoughts on that. Then on the, to to top it off, he's got KSI, Javante Davis, and Logan Paul. All, all interesting fights, man. But again, they're not. They're, this, we're not talking about the pinnacle of technical excellence here. These are high-profile buds that will sell. Karras is laughing at me. Go on, let me hand to you guys and let me know what you think. Jorge Masvidal obviously is on that list too, but uh, I didn't come to that one because I don't think Dana's going to release him out of his contract to do that. Karras, jump in. I know that you're itching. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, what's crazy about this right now is... The fact that he has all these options, though, like he's like trying to target simultaneous. Most people are like, I'm going to stick to one target. He's just firing everybody. Anybody can fuck like how Ben Askren was when he got to the UFC. But if we're looking at realistic matchups for him right now, do we care about if he wins or not or no? 
me, me, but I care if you're talking about my subjectivity, Carlos. I wanted to get punched up. I want to see, I want to see what happened to Tito Ortiz, happened to this chap, just to put him in his place. I feel like Tyrone should have done it, but didn't do it anyway. Okay. What do you think? What are you thinking, well, Carlos? Who's he top one? To me, I think he needs to be looking for the cash grabs. Fuck winning, fuck losing, just get the cash. So if the cash is out there, I think he needs to be looking at his brother, Jorge. Anderson, and that's about it. I don't think a fight with Fury is going to sell that well because I don't think people are hype about him. They want to see him either get fucking steamrolled or have an upset. So at this stage, I would like to see him either go after Anderson since he's available or go after his own brother. Because then it's like, oh shit, he's willing to kill off his own brother to do the payday. He's serious about this shit, you know? It's big. Talk to me, Mike. I can see your eyes looking very disinterested in the whole celebrity <laughs> boxing nonsense. You're damn right. I think in terms of next opponents, it's clear who they're going for. They softened him up in terms of getting the promo arranged and making sure that there was this story, this backstory, um, when Tommy Fury fought Anthony, um, Anthony uh, Pretty Boy Taylor. Mm. Now, yeah. for me... It was clear what they were doing there. They even managed to have a BT sports crew waiting behind the wings to get the altercation, to get the fracas, to get the war of words so that they can actually seed that into the promo. So it doesn't matter if Jake Paul is fighting a dog of a banjo. It doesn't matter who is in front of Jake Paul. He has got such a slick team behind him in terms of promo creators, that they will weave a story. So mm. who I would like him to fight would be someone like a Tommy Fury because that would be, you know, a straight up boxer who he is actually challenged, who he has actually taken on because so far he's not fought anybody who considers himself, ranks themselves, who's coming from a lineage of boxing. Now, this whole gambit that he's been on, this whole narrative that he's been on, if you look at it, it's actually clashing people who aren't up to the task. And he's very clever in the way that he needles, he reaches out and he manufactures and matchmakes. He's going for the weakest link. I mean, look at all four of his fights. They're hardly, come on, let's face it, stellar when it comes to boxing. Stella, when it comes to the squared circle. Stella, when it comes to heart, tenacity, and actually getting the job done. So that is how I see things in terms of what he's doing. Very, very clever, very slick, and all praise due to him. I mean, let's not forget as well, along the way, when he does actually rope in the MMA fraternity, he's got a ready-made audience set. So it's very clever marketing for him. All the marketing has been done already because these people have been built up. Everybody who's approached already has had, I would say millions of dollars by way of marketing already pushed into them as a brand, as an opponent. So it's clever to stick to the boxing, sorry, to stick to the MMA narrative in terms of opponent, and I really do feel, considering he's got someone ready-made waiting in the wings in Tommy Fury, that's the direction that they'll take. I tell you what, Mike, I, I think uh, as a litmus test, the fact that any Dana White press conference that happens of late 
you can guarantee one question is going to get asked right and it's going to be about Jake Paul. Um, so he's the money fight. He's the apex predator of of boxing and MMA at the moment. Everybody wants that fight from Conor McGregor to Anderson Silva, Vitor Belfort. Um, and I suppose that dovetails nicely into the fact that these guys are getting underpaid and that's why he's, he's a culture vulture and that's why he's able to do so well because these guys are all looking for the biggest payday that they've ever had in their life per Tyron Woodley, right? 100%. And who can wrong them? Because a lot of them, and especially, you know, people like... Anthony Pretty Boy Taylor, this was the biggest payday that he'd ever received in his life. And mm. similarly, I mean, as much as, you know, Dana likes to laud the fact that, you know, oh, well, it's only the MMA media who are kicking up a fuss about, you know, fighter pay, that narrative is false, given the amount of fighters who have since come out after he has said that, talking about their discomfiture, talking about their disquiet, talking about the fact that they're unhappy with their pay. He's got an issue on his hands, has the has the Dana White, has the UFC head honcho for sure. It's only a matter of time to their unionise. I don't know. I don't want to put a time, an actual two years, three years, four years, but it is going to happen at some point and he needs to address that fight to pay stuff urgently. Or, 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 or else Jake Paul's going to keep taking his lunch, right? Stealing his fighters. <laughs> <laughs> that you done? That's me done. Thank God. Kairos Bodley. All right. Okay. Okay. You're up. Over in Combate. Oh. They had Alana McLaughlin. Did I say that correctly? Just so I don't. All right. Cool. She That's how I've been pronouncing And she won first round via rear naked choke, I believe. She isn't the first transgender athlete to compete in combat sports, but I think her situation is a lot more bigger than when we saw Fallon Fox because of how social media has uh, evolved over this time. So I don't think a lot of people know that, but it's it's become the biggest um, case thus far. There's a lot of people who are in the MMA community who aren't fighters, who have an opinion. And it seems like the vast majority of people who aren't actual combatants are saying that they don't support it. Then you have the side of the MMA community, which is male-dominated of people who train. And a lot of them are saying that they're not in favor for it. But then you look at the women's side of MMA who actually are doing the competing. And most of them are saying they're okay with it. So I, I just, I'm curious about both of your stances on it. And I would love to go with Dave first. Then I'll close out with my opinion, obviously. Cool. So, um, so my opinion first, I, I'm not looking to prejudice against anybody's life choices. Because going through the transgender process is, is difficult enough to to I, I can't be the one to to make that more difficult with um, prejudices and, and derogatory statements. Um, however, when we come to sports, inclusivity doesn't necessarily align perfectly with fairness, right? So I understand there's there's been a couple of studies, smaller preliminary studies uh, on transgender um M to M male to female athletes, and that they they ruled that even after a year, a lot of these transgender male to female athletes, notwithstanding the hormone suppression treatment, still have a favourable delta versus their cisgender counterparts. So that I think because it's such a brand new subject, I think we need to be having these conversations rather than just sending in Alana in combate 
as if kind of like this doesn't warrant some sort of controls or compliance. These are conversations that we need to be having. It's, it's fair. The transgender thing is is fairly new in in high level sports. So I just think I think these studies need to be developed, and it's conversations that we need to be had. I will say though, the, this when the Fallon Fox again, um, when these instances do arise. The door does does open to mixed martial arts fans, right wing mixed martial arts fans, trashing these men and women for for reasons that are completely separate to the fairness of sports. And I think that's completely bang out of order. Okay, it took me a second to process what you were saying at the end. I was. I think that's a fact and a half, though. They really are allowing this to let their prejudice have some sort of in their mind, validation. And coming from, we had this conversation a little bit a while back and I was coming from a position of zero out of 100 knowledge on the topic. Now I have one out of 100 knowledge on the topic, but I know better than what I did back then. I'm pretty sure my stance is different now than it was, it might be the same, I don't know. I'm assuming it wasn't though. But me personally, when I looked at and I was thinking every single argument that people wanna present, oh, well, there's a strength advantage. Oh, there's a this advantage. There's that advantage in every single line of combat sports across the, whether we're talking about cisgender versus cis, whatever you want to, there's always a strength, size, speed. There's always a discrepancy. There's always been that. And when I watched that fight, I didn't, I didn't think, oh my goodness, this is, no, not for a second. I was like, wow, this is, I was like, this is a fight. Like, and, and even more so the thing that continues to like echo in my brain about this topic is. It's the same scenario where you have people saying, well, I don't want to see X, Y, Z, but it's like, you're not a competitor in this sport anyway. And the people who are competitors in the sport more times than not are saying that they're okay with it. And so who am I to be like, oh, well, we, I don't care about the people actually in the sports say, but I did see a few, um, there was a few female combatants who said that they weren't in favor of it. I think it was, um, I can't remember her name right now. She's the young um, up and coming, 115er, oh my goodness. What is her name? Kay Hansen, Kay Hansen, that's her name. Kay Hansen, there's a few other people who weren't in favor of it. And I was I was pressed to say something disrespectful to her, but I was like, that's not the right way to do it. I'm not gonna do it. I'm just gonna stay, the whole time I was like, let me just stay silent, fuck this. If I'm asked, sure, I'll answer. But it just, I feel like I shouldn't come back with disrespect when people come with ignorance because I was that ignorant person too, you know? But what do you think, Mike? I think considering that we're talking about something where we are literally revisiting this, this isn't new, just to quote something which you just said there, Dave, it's not new. We've had Fallon Fox and Fallon Fox has been through what um, Alana is going through now. And that is essentially discrimination, essentially suppression and oppression. And I think some of the language that I've seen online, yours in particular struck me, just, just to read it. Um, in your post, which you put up a few hours ago, and it was words to the effect of, um, uh, F that, um, someone's gonna get hurt. Now you had the picture of, of Alana as a Marine, and you had the picture of her as Alana, the mixed martial artist. Now, 
when you look at that, the optics looks bad, man, because that plays into the narrative that basically played out on my timeline when I put up a tweet which said, having watched this transgender fighter, Alana McLaughlin, win, I can see why it has people divided. What's your view? Now, in inviting people's view, I would say the disrespectful way in which people approach this threw scorn on this. And in, in, to a certain extent, misinformation, disinformation from a standpoint which seemed almost misogynistic stroke transphobic. I'll give you just a selection of, of comments. Cal Pacino, who is um, ex-Bellator fighter, he, he's quoted, and again, this is off my timeline. It's bullshit, man. Health is at stake. I don't think it should be allowed at all. Brutal. Now, that kind of gives you a flavor mm -hmm. of what somebody who is trans reading this might think is oppressive and suppressive and transphobic. This has no basis. Where has this been drawn from? Where are the facts? Now, when you look at it, this is similar in terms of what's been said right here. This is similar to how black people were viewed when we actually approached and tried to get into sports way back when. Now, a lot of the misinformation, disinformation is very similar to what is going on now. This is either born out of fear, this is born out of disinformation, this is born out of, I suppose, a lack of understanding and knowledge and not being able to see another person's view who is different from you. Now, the way that I look at it is this, just taking your comment and the comments on my timeline, the optics looks horrendous. Now, in context, I suppose this is why you might be able to provide some context. You might be able to explain it, but from somebody who is either transitioning or somebody who's thinking of it or is a transgender person, this adds to the narrative of this is why we are persecuted. This is why we are literally dying because it's comments like this that add to a climate of fear. It's comments like this that oppress us and suppress us. And for me, it was kind of brought home to me when it was G who actually raised it actually. And I, I, I hope I'm doing you know, somewhat a, a little bit of justice to how she presented it, but it's that oppressive and suppressive way and narrative that adds to the rhetoric of persecution. Now, we can sit here and say to ourselves, we are pro-Black and we are for initiatives like Black Lives Matter because they support us as Black people and they fight against oppression. But then we'd say something in a throwaway comment which oppresses and suppresses somebody else. I suppose in closing, what I'm trying to say is, just like Kairos, 
I was coming from this initially as somebody who didn't really know that much. And Kairos, in terms of levels, described his level of um, understanding as a one. I would say mine is maybe a one and a half. And it's a one and a half now because it was Rosie Sexton who kind of like put me straight in that she, in a very, very long article on um, outsports.com, uh, basically showed why she once opposed Fallon Fox competing and she explained why she supported trans athletes. And it's to do with a lot of what I've just been talking about. It's a lot of the information which is out there, which is either through fear or disinformation. A lot of people talk about the advantages. Well, because she was once a man, she um, has the um, physiological um, advantage. Now, again, Rosie Sexton put me straight in that, you know, Alana's actually competing um, almost on a level playing field in that her hormones have been suppressed to the level where they are no longer commensurate with what she had as a man. Now, again, physical safety comes up quite a lot. Where have you seen more consistently in women's MMA than women being injured by other women? But where have you seen consistently, and we're talking about consistently, transgender athletes injuring other women? I would say in terms of proportion, you see more women, cis women, um, injuring each other as opposed to what I just described there. So the bigger picture is this, we really do need to look at the fact that us, I mean, I'm talking specifically about you um, as, a, as a member as, of, of Woe TV, need to kind of like be mindful of the, the optics that we're sending out when we say things like that, because out of context, that looks horrific. It looks transphobic because people see that snapshot and then they tar me and they tar Kairos and they tar Chisanga and they tar G with the same brush. Now, what I'm trying to say in a, in a really neat bow is I am for people's expression and I'm for people being supported regardless of their outlook. And it doesn't play to that narrative. It doesn't play to my beliefs to say, no, we're not gonna have um, transgender athletes in sport, specifically MMA. Now I know that was long, but I said what I said to say this. I feel that we really do need to be careful in an age and in a time where transgender um, athletes and transgender people, as, as, as I look at it, are under threat and their lives can be taken because of the words which we're seeing on the timeline. So I echo a lot of those points, Mike, if I address them in turn. So the first one, if I address the tweet, so I agree that the hows, the way in which I expressed that message was off and not in line with Woe TV and equality and all that good stuff. However, the, the, the what's of what I'm trying to say here 
that fairness in sport doesn't necessarily align itself with inclusivity is still something that I sat stand by. So transgender, when I say new, I'm talking in brackets, relatively new as, as, as lots of, so Fallon Fox was probably the first MMA, the first major brand name MMA transgender mixed martial arts star, right? So this is, this is all relatively new. So I think much like COVID virus, this is still something that we're researching and understanding. And a lot of this, a lot of discussions and conversations still need to be had. The preliminary studies that I've checked, so there's one, um, Timothy A. Roberts, there's a couple of us out there based in Sweden that they've, they've, the sample size is very low. And again, I'm caveating this is, this is preliminary, but again, like to your point, Mike, this doesn't need to be, this isn't me just getting on a soapbox saying, oh, I think this sack that off. This is much more important than that. And again, I, I think from a safety perspective, it's much more important than that. Scientific studies need to be done with big, large sample sizes not of Alana, but high level, not just of Alana, sorry, but high level athletes across the board in any sport, big sample sizes. And we need to establish whether there is an unfair advantage that MTF transgender athletes have. Because I don't think we know, we're talking in a vacuum at the moment. I mean, Kyra said that there are advantages. I mean, if Amanda Nunes fights Ronda Rousey tomorrow, she's going to have a distinct advantage, but those are driven by training, physique, understanding, strategy, fire IQ, not for, not not something out of either one of their control. So when you have a male to female transgender athlete come in there and fight, fight, by the way, where you can die in the octagon, this is why this is deadly serious and it's important I kind of get my, get my point across um, as clearly as possible. When you, if, if there is an advantage in preliminary studies say that there is, marginal but nevertheless an advantage then commissions regulations around the world need to do something about it it needs to be addressed we can't just send in alana there with other cisgender athletes because it's not fair and it, it is really important that we understand that if the if we're to believe what these preliminary studies are saying so i disagree with you mike in that there's no science behind it because there is science behind what i'm saying and i suppose we just need to educate ourselves if 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 chorus is a one one out of ten and you're a 1.5 i've got to confess i'm a i'm a zero on the scale um massively mate I, this is a this is a subject that i'm i'm trying to understand um but it, it, it's it's a discussion but not us by the way as as mixed martial arts analysts and, and fans but regulators around the world and commissions before we just do it, this isn't something that we just rubber stamp and send everybody in and they can fight. And then we'll find out retrospectively whether what there was an unfair advantage. No, we, this is controls. This needs to be done preemptively. It can't be just the typical MMA haberdashery and laissez-faire attitude. It's really, really important. Really, really important. But just jumping back on, just to address the point that you meant or that you made in terms of scientific facts, the sample size, as you say, is incredibly low and even more minuscule because if you'd seen the entire fight, you would have seen Alana getting her ass handed to her. She was getting pasted all over the place. So you talking about the danger doesn't really come into play. If anything, there was a danger to Alana because she was getting brucked the fuck up. Now, the way that I look at it in terms of 
the, the, the sample size is way too small to be talking about scientific facts. Now, again, I do want to underline all of this by saying I'm a novice, I'm a beginner, I'm not even on the ladder when it comes to understanding, but that just strikes me as an irrefutable fact that the sample size is way too small to be establishing it as fact. I, I'd agree with that, Mike. But then uh, I suppose two points. It, even, if the, even if the sample size is small, what else do we have? We are three guys on a podcast hypothesizing and speculating. The one thing that we can anchor this to, to make it a more reasoned conversation, is the very small sample size that this science, these preliminary studies has been founded upon, rather than just, well, it's just fair, send them in. That, that for me is irresponsible. And we, we can have that attitude if we want, but commissions and regulation, regulators around the world absolutely should not. Sorry, Kairos. No, it's okay. Um, well, if we want to look at the sample size, look at the sample. Sorry, I'm having feedback in these fucking headphones. So if we want to look at the small sample size, let's look at the small sample size of transgender women in MMA as a whole. They aren't doing too well. So I, for us to look at the results of where they are right now with a small sample size, from the data, it doesn't seem like their advantage is that much great because you look at Fallon Fox, she had multiple knockout losses. She lost to Ashley Evans-Smith. We look at Miss um, McLaughlin. She, she was struggling. She was struggling bad. Like, <laughs> look at her face during and look at her face after. Like, <laughs> she was struggling. So as far as I'm concerned, the, the advantages and the disadvantages, it's so subjective too because you're going to tell me that there wasn't a huge disadvantage for Vitor Belfort and Chris Weidman when Vitor's testosterone levels as a man were so crazy high that they were just like, you know what, fuck it, just let it happen. Just like, and that's, those are two people who are, uh, I don't, is the term for, forget it. But you get what I'm trying to say. And so I feel like we're just, we're cherry picking when it's convenient for us. And I, and looking back at where I was in pers with this per uh, perspective, I realized that a lot of the time we're dehumanizing these people. And I think Mike used that word today. He might've used it back then, but I feel like that was the perfect word. Just, we have to see these people as people. And a lot of the time, I feel like when we don't do that, we run into, and I'm not saying that's what you're doing. I'm speaking in general, but I feel like a lot of the time that's what happens. And in terms of discrepancy, like you said, people are training for this. There's going to be discrepancies. Some people are going to train harder. There's going to be people who train less as hard. And there's going to be people who, no matter how hard they train, they're not going to overcome the differential in the ability, regardless of how we feel personally. And, and to your point, Kairos, I think the litmus test with this isn't low-level Alana McLaughlin. This is when what we what we really what, what the sports regulators really need to be concerned about is when this this happens in a high-level mixed martial artist mixed martial arts circumstance because that's when you'll see that's when it will if there is an advantage and we've yet for the science to absolutely nail it. It looks like the, the preliminary indications is, is that there is an advantage. If there is one, it's in the UFC octagon where we'll see it, right? And it's potentially there where we'll be, we'll see substantial detriment where somebody gets knocked out and really, really hurt. So, so we're not there yet. 
And this is why I'm getting super animated, right? It's because we need to, the science needs to be there for, for better or for worse, whether there's an advantage or no advantage, whether it needs to be a year on hormone suppression to get it down to where it needs to be, or whether it needs to be two, three, whatever. These are conversations that the powers that be, Dana, regulators, the Las Vargas, uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission, all these high level guys need to be having this conversation and I'm not seeing it. Hence why my, hence my tweet, Mike, again, poorly worded, but the, the, the hows, E minus e for Cameron, but the what's, the, these are things that need to be addressed now. Not, not when sports regulators, I'll say this, I'm a massive F1 fan, right? As an analogy. And, and sports, I see sports regulators doing this around the world, that they'll commoditize athletes, send them out there and ask safety questions after. Good example, the halo for F1 fan, fans out there. I was one of the guys saying the halo, this thing that sits around the cockpit that protects drivers. I said, aesthetically, it doesn't work for me. Don't use the halo. It's SH1T. I like the pretty look of the F1 cars. Don't do it. The FI ignored noddy people like me and prioritised for once safety, put the halo in. I can't tell you the number of drivers' lives that have been saved because of that halo. Now, this is what regulators, fight regulators around the world, and sports regulators, athletics uh, have, have started to do it, the IOC and stuff, they're addressing it. But but these things need to be addressed. You need to front load these, because if you, you take this laissez-faire approach and, and push it to the back, something will happen... And then we'll say, oh, I should have, what we should have done was front load the science, do the research before we sent in people like Alana. And now this has happened and we've made a mistake. So this is why I'm, I'm quite animated about this. I'll take your point, Mike. The hows of what I said were absolutely often more open door wide for, for, for right wing mixed martial arts fan that have just got nothing but prejudice for, for people of all minorities, right? Especially transgender athletes. However, the what's is super key that people, the powers that be address these front load them rather than wait for something to happen and then saying, oh, well, we should have done this. How do you think we're going to be able to give, to accumulate this data without giving these people the opportunities though? Like these men and women, it would be impossible for us to sit here and say, okay, let's wait for the studies and the science to come out, but then we aren't actively doing studies and science within the sport itself. I feel like it's kind of an endless cycle of, okay, well, we're waiting for something to happen, but we aren't allowing it to happen. So therefore it cannot happen. Uh, you but know, then also, I think that what, what are, what are these men and women supposed to do in the meantime, just lose their athletic prime, lose their opportunities, not be given the, so I just feel like it's at a certain point, we have to be a lot more inclusive. Uh, like you want to look, I, I, I myself went through the comments on her social media, on Twitter of people. I was just like, I was like, whoa, I, was like, I thought <laughs> I, I was like, I thought I had seen hate before. No, th this was like, I was like, whoa, we, oh, Cyrus, the, the only way to fix this behavior is to normalize it, not normalize the behavior, but to normalize people seeing transgender athletes and transgender people in general. And I feel like there's no way to do that unless you completely give way to inclusivity. 
So you Kairos, I agree completely with everything you just said there, mate. Um, that the MMA sphere, we all acknowledge, is very toxic for people in minorities, and it will always be that. I'm not sure that there's anything we can do pragmatically to address that. However, Kairos, what I think what I think you're talking to there is the remember, I feel like there's two strands. There's two layers of argument here. The inclusivity point, we're all sat here singing from the same hymn sheet. To, to, th- these guys need to be allowed to do the sport that they love and that they've trained all their life for, irrespective of their life choices. It's not fair and that's discrimination. However, like I've already said, inclusivity in this instance doesn't necessarily align with fairness because still, yet yeah, and still, per the, per the preliminary studies that I'm not, I'm not, pinning i'm not going to die on this hill but if there is some sort of founding foundational knowledge that we can trust it is this science and this says the the conclusion was that some male to female transgender athletes so i take the 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 hormone suppression drugs the program of drugs and then even after a year so i don't know what alana's experience is and that's my failing she probably should have researched it beforehand but some will still have materially higher testosterone than their sister than their sister alana didn't so they tested it okay so okay cool and and it's just the science argument which really does bother me because the science argument doesn't take account that what you're actually doing is oppressing and suppressing someone's expression. Now, that basically, by your logic, you are saying, okay, no transgender athletes should actually compete because we are still getting our head around the science. So what do these athletes who have hopes and dreams like we do as people, what are they supposed to do in the meantime? They're supposed to park those or should we be championing their wants, their needs, and the fact that they have the right to express themselves as we do. So I, I, I'm i not, I think you're putting words in my mouth a little bit there, Mike. I'm not saying that they shouldn't compete. What I am oh. saying, what I am saying is that regulators and, and commissions around the world need to get ahead of this and front load. Meanwhile, the pragmatic approach is to, okay, let's take, let's monitor this real time and not not enforce any bans because we we don't know right whether there's an advantage or disadvantage or what or level but we need to we need to be proactive about instituting and and proving the science that can can then inform any next steps for now i'm not seeing it it's very laissez-faire it's like let well yeah let's just compete there might be an advantage there might be a whatever just compete and we can't do that i get the inc- i'm just going to say one final time before i shut my mouth i get the inclusivity point i'm a black man living in britain i understand mm-hmm. I, I i get i get it however here the inclusivity and the fairness of the sport in the same way that you have you have weight categories right it's, it's exactly the same thing that you can't that there are protections around fighting and mixed martial arts that need to be adhered to it's just controls and if 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 i get in the ring uh, in a similar fashion and again the analogy is a bit wild here but if i jump into the ring with anderson silver tomorrow he's gonna he's gonna destroy my life he's gonna destroy my life because he's he's bigger he's got more experience but those are those are my failings right if there was something if i were a female 
and jumped into the ring with Anderson Silva. There were things outside of my advantage, not the skill or fight IQ, not these intangibles. These are actual measurable testosterone levels outside of my control as a female. And we just need to be cognizant of that because fighting is dangerous. You can die in there and, and commissions need to get ahead of it. Is my, that's my point in a nutshell. So let me just clarify something then, cool. because I wasn't putting words in your mouth. I was mm. quoting you directly when you said, fuck that, someone's going to get hurt. Now, were you saying, fuck that, someone's going to get hurt, let's let them play anyway, or fuck that, someone's going to get hurt, let's not let this actually transpire? Let's not, let's not, I'm saying F that, someone's going to get hurt, unless every, the aforementioned, right? Unless commissions get ahead of this, front load studies, science gets on board. That's exactly what's going to happen. You can't just throw... MMA has had this attitude about everything for the longest time, right? About TR, TRT is similar. Vito can just go on TRT, that's fair. Oh, no, two years later, no, it's not fair. TRT is clearly giving these fighters an, 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 an unfair advantage Let's rescind all our all our granting TRT. It's nonsense, Mike. MMA needs to. We need to be more. Uh, our forecast needs to be more forward-looking, rather than backwards-facing. We can't just be. It can't just be the, this laissez-faire approach, just because well, the UFC is making so much money and whatever. This is the safety of fighters. It's really, really important that we decide or that we establish sooner rather rather than later. Two things. If there is an advantage that, that, that male, to female, male to female transgender athletes have versus their cisgender counterparts, and if there is, what are we going to do about it? And I'm not seeing those, I've, I've not seen anybody having those conversations off notes. Where's Mark Ratner on this? But, but you are, your argument is flawed. Go on. Kairos gave you numerous examples where Fallon Fox has fallen flat. I've just given you an example where Alana stepped in there and got her ass handed to her initially. But but how is that? So what you're saying to me, Mike, that that's proof positive that there is no advantage to be gained from a male, male to female transgender athlete. And I, I, I'm saying to you, that's, that's an illogical conclusion because as aforementioned, there's a million different there's a million different ingredients that go into a, a fighter being effective in the ring way and ultimately getting the win whether like we've just talked about strategy physical prowess um technique experience in the game training so you put all these things into the blender and there's no way of knowing exactly whether fallon fox was just a worse fighter or whether they were unequal equal peggings and do you know what I mean there's just no way of deducing it you can't pass these different items from the mixed martial arts pie mic to know the only thing that's going to deduce it with any sort of um, certainty is the science because we know we know there is physical advantage physical advantage from having higher testosterone hence why there are categorizations by gender so if male to female transgender athletes after a year and hormone suppression program of drugs don't reduce in line with their cisgender counterparts, then in my mind, in my very simplistic 0.5 out of 10 transgender understanding mind, that's still an advantage and, and that needs to be addressed. So, so I, I, go on, sorry, Mike. No, I was about to say that, you know, it, it's a shame that, 
you know, the transgender um, community who I reached out to, and there was one person in particular that I wanted to get on the show, didn't want to come on the show. And her reasons were contained in a tweet which was pinned underneath the tweet which you sent out. So have a look at that, because that will give you some context why I suppose um, we could have learned quite a lot today. We could have learned so much if we had somebody in the know, because as I say, you know what? I think I might even rescind the fact or even retract the fact that I'm 1.5, because the more I talk, the more I'm acutely aware that I am nowhere near uh, in ways of understanding that I need to be. And I think I might even be below Kairos, to be honest with you, in terms of what I know. So I would say I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a beginner in terms of my knowledge. And uh, Kairos, basically, you're a step ahead of us all. No, but uh, <laughs> one thing that I noticed about what you're saying, though, we do have we have indicators and markings that are measured when we are doing anti-doping. They're looking at hormonal imbalances. They're looking at what you're intaking into your body and what you're not putting into your body. So there are things that are being checked. But then I feel like the whole basis of the argument is advantage, natural, unnatural advantage. They're, so are we going to really say that France Ngannou doesn't have a severe advantage over every single fighter in the heavyweight division? Every single one of them. It doesn't matter how great their strategy is. It doesn't matter how good their IQ is. If he connects, there is zero, there is zero chance that you're going to come out of their life. And that is people within the... So I just, like, when I see the argument, I hear the argument, I think to myself, we are seeing this and we're okay with it under every single other circumstance. What's the differentiating factor in this one? The differentiating factor. That's just how I see it. The, the differentiating. So you're right. Francis has natural physical gifts, right? But born of being a man. So I, I think, Kairos, if you extend your point, I'll, I'll try and illustrate to you why I think this is ever so slightly illogical. But by your logic, Kairos, just bloody open up all the divisions, right? Let Amanda Nunes compete with, compete with Kamara Usman because Kamara just has these natural physical advantages. And do you know what I mean? Ultimately, met the two of them getting the, get the octagon and the better fighter will win. By your logic, Kairos, because just natural physical well, advantages, right? We have weight classes for a reason, for that specific. And extant, we have weight classes, weight classes for protection and gender classifications for the same reason, right? Because males have materially higher test natural testosterone lovers than their female counterparts this is this is just that really but in my humble opinion per the science that's all that this is and um, when that amount is measured monitored and decreased over time where is that set advantage in testosterone count so mm. that and that's what the science so that's what the science needs to establish if after x period of time said transgender male to female transgender athletes say their their testosterone levels are monitored and they've come down sufficiently and in line with their cisgender, then perfectly happy. But the science is saying at the moment that after a year, so I think I think there's some arbitrary limit of a year, after a year that these guys are allowed to allowed to go in there and compete, fight with their cisgender athletes, and that some of them 
even after a year's worth of drugs program, hormone suppressing, hormone suppressing drugs, if you can get my words out, still have materially higher testosterone levels than their cisgender counterparts. If a bigger study with, with larger sample size comes out and backs that up, then this can't go on. Something that I don't know, I'm not proposing a, a solve or, or a panacea solution. I don't know what it is. My brain, I'm not that clever. But some the, the the minds that are that clever that deal with compliance and protections in the sport need to address it. Is my point? Okay. And out to that, my, here's my question: If cool. the studies and the studies are done and the research is done, and it comes out to be the complete opposite, are you willing to accept transgenders into cool, sports right. and athletics? Yeah, 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 definitely. But that but that needs to happen. Do you know what I mean? And I don't know what happens uh, as pragmatically, what happens in the interim while those, while those studies are ongoing. It, it would, I agree with you guys, it would, it would be grossly unfair to stop the likes of Fallon Fox and Alana earning a salary and, and, and expressing themselves in the sport that they love. I get it, but you can't, I feel like, Again, I'm, I'm saying that there's, I don't know the solve, but I feel like you need to run these two things in tandem. We can't let something... Imagine that there is an advantage and that a Fallon Fox goes in and just sparks out. It, it, it just can't get to that. It, it's, it feels like it's counterintuitive. These things need to operate in tandem for me. It can't be just a, a standard MMA thing. Well, just send them in and whatever. That's, that's not good enough because lives are at stake here potentially. Do you think that there's some people who are going to try and take advantage of this? Is that your fear um, or your concern? I, you know, that's, I, I'm not going to superimpose. I don't, there, there, there will obviously be always, there will always be people, Kairos, that try and cheat the game, that try and bend the rules to their, to their own fate. There will always be those people. Um, so I don't see why that would be any different in this sphere, in this instance. Um but but again, in, in in the same way that you try and catch drug drug cheats, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I suppose Anderson Silva was one at one one time. You need to make sure that the controls and the compliance is in place. It can't just be well. This is something that's relatively new. Send them out; it'll be all right. That just doesn't make bloody sense. MMA needs to hold itself accountable at this point because lives are at stake. Mm. I didn't realize this when I was learning this earlier on, but there's a lot of there's more safety checks and blocks to stop people from doing that sort of thing. And there's a lot I don't I can't rationally think of someone who would do something like that. So to their body, just so they can win a fight, five uh, fights, 10 fights, you know, I just I might be naive, but I don't know. I just can't rationalize it. It's, it takes a lot for someone to come out and do that. <laughs> I was I I, I no I I I like your ability to see the good in people, but trust me, mate, there will always be somebody that wants to gain the system. I'm not saying that they will go through the changes, so they can go become a UFC champion, but there will always be somebody that that wants to gain the system. And I suppose uh, in my final point on this, I keep saying gain the system, game the system with drugs. There is a system and it is flawed. That's why drug cheats will always stay one step ahead of USADA and VADA. And I, I guarantee you there will be a percentage of UFC and, and Bellator guys that are out there on, I don't know, a, a cocktail of drugs. Where is the system for this? There is no system. 
and there needs to be one in place. That notwithstanding, people will still try and game it, but there needs to be one in place. And I don't. So maybe that's me, me being ignorant and I need to go and do some more research. But I don't think there's one in place for now around transgender male to female athletes. And there needs to be one. Boom, are we done on this? <laughs> we've, been, we've been going at it like three dogs on a bone, which is brilliant because it is an important topic which does need to be thrashed out. And obviously we with our novice selves aren't going to actually um, solve it. We're not going to answer any of the questions, but it's interesting that we each had a, a different perspective on it. You know, just before we close, um, I'm going to be greedy here and just get you, you, you fellas, um, quick take on what's actually transpiring at the weekend. We have MMA action after our little brief hiatus. And that is uh, Anthony Smith meets Ryan Spann at the UFC Apex. Anthony, the home invader protector, um, wow. <laughs> Smith, um, takes on Ryan Spann. And uh, Soldier of God, Yoel Romero, takes on Phil Davis. Now, I just wondered, you've obviously taken a cursory glance uh, at these two cards, and I just wondered which one floats your boat and what in particular are you looking for forward to? For me, I'm looking forward to the Soldier of God finally making his um, Bellator debut after his uh, false start, which didn't actually happen. At Light Heavyweight, it's the main event at Bellator 266. He's taking on Phil Davis. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. So that's really got my attention. They're going almost head to head this Saturday. I'm going to go with David Cameron. What are you looking forward to out of the two cards? His mic's muted. You're on mute. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, professional mistakes over here. Um, no, so I'd, I'd echo your sentiments, Mike. I'd, I'd be keen to see Mr. Romero um, compete against Phil Davis. It's an interesting fight. I hope it doesn't turn into a boring, a bore fest, because as often these wrestlers, when they come up against each other, it tends to cancel out and it's a bit, do you know what I mean? It's a bit of a sneeze fest. Anthony, Anthony Smith is an intriguing one. Um I, I, you know, I thought that he was, uh, when he lost to Glover, I was like, this dude is, is done right. And like Phoenix again, he rises from the flames and starts getting a, stringing together a couple of wins. I'd be interested to see if he can get it done over the weekend, but no, I'll be definitely tuning into the Bellator event more than the UFC, I think. <laughs> I unfairly judged the UFC event. I, I looked at this and I'm like, I ain't watching this shit. But looking at it again, I'm saying to my ground, I still ain't watching this shit. I'll rewatch it later. Well, I'm watching the Bellator card. <laughs> but I'm going to be honest, not because Joel Romero versus Phil Davis. I honestly think that might be the worst fight that ever happens. I don't want to be a Debbie. I don't want to be negative. But I honestly think it's going to be terrible. But I'm down to watch all the other fighters on the Bellator card. But I'm just telling you right now. That Phil Davis is one of the most boring fighters on the planet. Yoel Romero hates to throw strikes. He hates to wrestle. Like, what is he doing now? Like, I, I'm telling y'all right now, I'm not holding my breath on this one. 
<laughs> it might be a sneeze fest, right? You, you, you've cursed it already, Kairos. Sneeze fest. <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> and that about wraps up this episode of Shots Fired. It has been an incredible canter through all of our subjects. We bought the heat, we bought the firearms and uh, discharged them. Um, even when they were empty, we were still discharging them, which obviously speaks to the passion which we brought to today's subjects. I reckon that's a wrap, fellas. I wanted to thank our guest, David Cameron, the Right Honourable David Cameron. And of course, thanks as always to Kairos Bodley. Until next week, enjoy the fights. <laughs>